obviously, but thanks for withholding that. Uh, so anyway, like the Super Bowl happens, and I mostly watch it for the halftime show, but then like right after the Super Bowl, like a week or two later every year, is music's biggest night, the Grammys. And so uh, several years ago, a buddy who was living with me at the time and I, we decided let's throw a Grammys party. Everybody does a Super Bowl party. But that's for all the alpha male jocks out there. Let's throw a Grammys party for the emo, angsty music kids like me and go crazy. So I start cooking like days in advance. We do this every year at my house. Uh, we create like a ballot where we look up online the nominees for the biggest award categories and create a ballot and have everybody who comes in like predicts ahead of time who they think is going to win. And we score the ballots throughout the show and there's prizes at the end. And we go a little crazy on it. I love the Grammys. And then last year, I happened to have committed to being in Nashville to preach uh, on the weekend of the Grammys, and so I wasn't able to do it, and I was crestfallen and very sad about this. Uh, but we ended up doing a little mini version of the Grammy party in Nashville with some friends down there. And you know, like being in Music City for the Grammys has its own kind of appeal. So I remember being there at my friend's house in Nashville watching the Grammys like we do every year, and there's a moment that just grabs me, and it's Chance the Rapper's performance. Anybody remember that from the past year? It's Chance and Kirk Franklin and this big old gospel choir, and they just like tore the house down. So like it really moved me that night and then the next day I'm flying home from Nashville and I have a couple hours where I'm stuck at the Atlanta airport. So there I am in the Delta Sky Club. I grab my laptop to see if that video is available and it is. And there's Jay in the airport with his earbuds in like crying, like actually weeping at his computer because I'm so moved by this thing that he does. And it has this, this, this sort of like joyful energy like toward God, this, this language of praise, and it's so intense. And there's all these button-down suit business traveler types looking at me like, who let the freak into the Sky Club, you know? And I'm just <laughs> like feeling all of this so much. So I, I'm feeling chance and I'm feeling the music. And so then when I find out that he's gonna be a headliner at Lollapalooza, I'm very, very excited about this. And this is last August. So in August, my friends and I, we find ourselves, I mean, we fight to get near the front of this thing for chance. And so there we are with 40,000 of our closest friends ready to just have a great experience. And for most of it, like, I am absolutely into it, very, like, loving the whole thing. I like his songs. I like his energy. I like just his, like, demeanor. He's just got, like, a kind of charism on stage that I find really compelling. And I'm loving all of it and until he gets to this line that he drops that's in one of his very popular songs. And there's something about being there in that moment and me being so invested in what's happening that when I hear these words, I find myself, like, hitting a bit of a wall, like, wait a minute. I don't know. Let me show you. You might, you might recognize these words. The praises go up. Anybody? The blessings come down. There it is. I got a couple of you with me. The praises go up. The blessings come down. This comes from a song called Blessings. And I'm not here to critique Chance, really, because he can say whatever he wants and he can mean whatever he wants. But like the way I received that, I had to stop for a second and say, I don't know what we're describing here, but I'm not quite sure that's how it works. Like, is this describing like a mechanism by which you get the blessing? Like, is this like a vending machine God? Like you put the praises in the coin slot and then somehow that just means that like God is supposed to bless you back? Like, I have all these reasons for feeling distant from that idea. Like, for example, some of the people I know who have most sincerely, like, offered their life in praise to God, like, lived very faithful, committed lives, very sacrificial lives of praise, some of them, at least from the outside looking in, haven't had a ton of blessings come their way. 
Like their bank accounts aren't massive because of it. They aren't like going to their boat on the weekend because of it. They aren't living in massive houses because of it. And, and then there's other people who I think not a day in their life have, has it ever dawned on them to say thank you to anyone or anything or any God for the blessings in their life. And every day they wake up saying, it's good to be me, aren't I great? Look at all that I have. And, and so I don't know that this like works in a cause effect kind of statement like that, right? Or maybe you're tempted to like, like spiritualize it. Okay, so maybe it's not about material blessings, but surely there are other kinds of blessings. I totally agree, but I'm still not sure it works. Like, like for one famous example, Mother Teresa, who gave her life in an act of, of praise and devotion to God, who, who gave like everything she had to serve in the name of Christ who called her to that work, like all of that, um, even on the spiritual side, after she died, we read uh, letters and journals from Mother Teresa that reveal that in her spiritual life, she longed for an experience of God that she didn't really have, and it, it was a place of, of sadness and pain for her. So even if you want to spiritualize it, it still doesn't really work, you know? I mean, Paul, uh, a writer in the New Testament, uh, it goes on to say, like, like, the secret is to get used to whatever's going on, like, content with much or with little. Like, I don't have a formula for you, he says, to get the blessings from God. He says the secret is to figure out how to be content with much or little. And Jesus says God ca- causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And by the way, for an agricultural society, rain would mean blessing, Right, like taking care of your crops, God gives it sort of indiscriminately, and there's not like a formula that we can sort out there. So I, I feel a little bit of distance from this. Now, like I, like I get like wanting like a connection with like blessing, like wanting to figure out how this works. I, I understand that. Uh, when I was like an, an adolescent, I was like an angsty adolescent. Like I just like knocked out that genre all the way, you know. And a lot of that angst was like having been raised in settings where I heard a lot about the love of God and saw other people that seemed to be really excited about the love of God and the blessings of God. Like, I really wanted to get connected with that, you know? And I realized, like, I would study and, and I would read my scriptures and I would pray, and I'm, I'm for all of those things. I think they're really helpful. And yet I realized, like, I don't, I don't know that I'm being helped by a theoretical account of the love of God. I don't know that I'm being helped with a theological account of the love of God. I think I... I feel this craving, aching place inside that wants to experience the love of God. And sometimes a word for that is blessing, like, like a gift from God that, that like, uh, channels that in some way that you can experience, that you can know. Have you been there? Like, have you wanted, like, like I, I want something more than theoretical or theological. Like, like, I want to get my hands on some knowledge of God's kindness. Like, I want to be able to name something, touch something, see something, that tells me personally, like in my life, like God is good. Maybe you've felt that way. Maybe you feel like you've had a lot of those or maybe you don't. Uh, the scriptures, um, they, they, they talk a lot about this experience of, of, of wanting to know God as being good toward you, as being for you. And they, and they talk a lot about when people have had that kind of experience. Like, uh, like here's a prayer in the book of Psalms. This is Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. 
And then this, this particular song or prayer in the Hebrew Scriptures, it goes on and names all these different examples, all these different ways that God has shown up to bless someone. Like some wandered in desert wastelands. They had no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and yet God blessed them and gave them what they needed. Or some sat in darkness, like utter darkness. They were in prison, suffering, and God heard them and liberated them. Or some were fools and rebellious, and because of that, they became sick, but God healed them. And some of them went out on the sea in ships, but like while they're out there, the waters got rough and they freaked out and they desperately needed like something good, some break in the weather that come their way and that's what they got. And this goes on and on. And then at the end of the psalm, the writer says, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. I want to talk about these two kind of old words, heed and ponder. So I think there's something we really want to pay attention to there. Um, how, how, how would we take this admonition seriously? Like, how would you get your hands on it? If you're going to be wise, if you're going to heed and ponder these things, like, is there, is there any sort of instruction or, or way to get your hands on this stuff? Well, it turns out Psalm 107, uh, from what most commentators can tell, is actually connected to an experience in the life of the Israelites as they worshiped God, as they, as they lived out their faith as a community. And the experience actually comes from the sacrificial system that we read about in places like Leviticus. So Psalm 107 lists these different times and ways and places that God has shown up and blessed and done a very good thing. And then uh, we look back to Leviticus, and uh, here we're in one of those parts of the Bible that's a bit gory, you know, you know what I mean? Like one of those parts that you're tempted to say, like, man, aren't we like way beyond all of that? Like the, lots of blood and animal guts on the altar and stuff. But I want to pay attention to what's going on underneath this. So here, different sacrifices for different times are being described. And in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 12, we read, If they offer one of these sacrifices as an expression of thankfulness. Now hold on a second. If they offer it as an expression of thankfulness. First of all, did you know there's actually a sacrifice in the Bible for thankfulness? If, if you've heard bad preaching, you might have heard, or you might have gotten the impression, or you might have assumed that, like, the only things going on in this book are about, like, guilt and forgiveness or punishment and forgiveness. But there's actually a sacrifice here for thankfulness. Like, when some good, beautiful thing breaks into your life, there's a, there's a pattern to be lived out about how to say thank you for that. Uh, it's helpful to like read closely and see what's actually going on. And by the way, one of the ways that I got even more confronted with what's happening in these systems is not quite what I thought it was growing up, was a trip that I took to the place that these texts come from over to the Holy Land several years ago. So we're there in the West Bank uh, in Israel, Palestine, West Bank there. And we uh, come across this, this ancient village uh, called Taibe. And in this ancient village, there's an ancient Byzantine ruin. This is an ancient, ancient church. Like, not like America ancient, you know what I mean? Because like our stuff's not that old. I mean like very, very, very old. So that's there, but there's also a, a, a very modern sort of thriving city community and a church in the town of Taipei. But we're touring the ancient ruin and you can see the age on everything, right? Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of patina on the stones that formed this old church. And yet in the middle of all of that old, we see a little bit of new. And it's peculiar. So there's a door frame in this old Byzantine church, and there's a couple of shiny new, like, hooks that have been screwed in to either side at the top of the door frame. And they kind of get your eye because they kind of gleam in, in the sunlight, you know? And then you're kind of observing what here, and then you look down, and in the middle of all this dirt, there's a red spot. And we say, hey, what's, uh, what's with the hooks in the red spot? 
And they say very nonchalantly, these Christian brothers and sisters of ours, oh, well, we had a sacrifice last week. I said, excuse me? I feel like you guys might not have gotten the latest update. Um, <laughs> like you had a sacrifice. And they say, well, yeah, it wasn't, you know, Jesus like has taken away our sin, but this was a thankfulness sacrifice. There was a child in our community who had cancer and uh, she's been healed of it and she has no, no symptoms left and she's been given a clean bill of health. And so we, we said thank you to God. So we strung up an animal and we killed it and we ate it. I said, oh, we have different understandings of these things. But it drew attention to me that there's, there's a complexity here to what's happening in this ancient Israelite religion that I don't always stay very in touch with. So here we have um, not a guilt offering, not a thing that you do so that, that you can sort of be right with God. Here we have a thankfulness offering when something good has happened. And there's an instruction that might surprise you at the end of this. The meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must leave none of it till morning. Did you know that many of the sacrifices described in the scriptures and practiced by the Israelites end in a feast for the people who brought the sacrifice? And that the, the very animal that's given to God in the sacrifice then becomes the meal that we eat, the thing that we take in. Uh, so, so let's just kind of play this out a little bit because I picture myself in the experience of an Israelite and something good has happened. And so I, I come to the temple and I bring this animal and we'll slaughter it and we'll offer it to God to say thank you. And then I'll, I'll gather my friends. This is actually part of the way this would go. I'd gather my friends with me, and then we'll eat a meal together. And I, I can't help but wonder if, in fact, like in, in the sacrifice of thank you and in the meal that you put on your lips, I can't help but wonder if the blessing goes a little deeper. I can't help but wonder if like the blessings that like pass through our life and we don't even get our hands on them, they're, like our hearts are like sieves with lots of holes and then the blessings just keep passing through without nurturing us. There's something about stopping and saying thank you and then discovering that God, in fact, gives back to you the very offering that you gave him and you eat this rich meal with your friends. Like as if the thank you is part of the blessing in some way, part of experiencing it. As if, as if the good things that come into our life they, they haven't um, given themselves fully to us until we give ourselves to the act of saying thank you. It's interesting, by the way, uh, this particular sacrifice, the thankfulness offering, it's not really mandated. It, it doesn't tell you when to do it. It doesn't say how often you have to do it. It simply says that if you would like to make an offering of thankfulness to God, this is the pattern of that offering. It looks like this. And if this isn't something that God requires, if this isn't something that God says, I need you to do this for me, maybe this is God's way of teaching us something about us. If this isn't required by God, maybe this doesn't just reveal something about God, maybe it reveals something about us. Like maybe a blessing hasn't done its full work within us. Maybe a blessing hasn't fully met us, hasn't hasn't gotten its, its hands into our lives until we've said thank you. And maybe somehow saying thank you is like that act of giving the gift to God only to find it comes back and hits you in your lips and fills your belly and gives you a much more sort of visceral encounter with the good thing that God has given or done. Uh, it helps me to think about this by thinking about vitamin D and calcium, naturally. Anybody ever go to the store and notice that some of the jugs of milk uh, say vitamin D on them? Has anybody ever wondered, like, well, why, do, why this arbitrary pairing? Like, can't we just go get a multivitamin, right? Well, here's the deal. 
the way that your body and my body work is that like when foods that have calcium in them, like growing up, it was always a glass of milk every day for dinner. That was mom's rule so that we grew up to be young, strapping men, which obviously didn't work in my case, but I'm over it. Like, so, so we drink milk every day, get lots of calcium in our system, and eventually that calcium is going to go down your throat and into your belly and through your gut. Here's the problem, though. If you don't have enough vitamin D in your body, that calcium will go right through your gut and it won't have the things that it needs to grab the calcium and bring them into your body. Like I could put calcium in your body all day long. We could drink gallons and gallons of milk, which is not recommended for other reasons, unless you go to YouTube and find out for yourself. But like, I could pour all the calcium in the world into your body and it wouldn't do you any good. You could still have a deficit of calcium in your life no matter how much calcium I give you, if you don't also have enough vitamin D. And what I'm wondering is, is it possible I could give you blessing after blessing after blessing? God could move heaven and earth to let you know that he loves you. God could meet you in your everyday experience with all kinds of good things, and you might still feel a deficit of blessing. You might feel like the kindness of God is so far away, and it's not that there's a deficit of blessing. It's that there's a deficit of thank you in your life. That in, in the offering the thank you, that's when it finally sort of hits your body and your heart and, and fully speaks to your soul about the goodness of the God who, as you offer it up to him, gives it back to you and says, no, take and eat. That's how good I am. I really want you to know this, to experience it. Uh, that's the, the language of modern psychology. In the language of theology, Alexander Schmiemann is an Orthodox priest who writes specifically, not just about Thanksgiving in the abstract. This comes from an excerpt of a book where he's talking about practices, proactive practices of Thanksgiving. And he says, Thanksgiving is the power that transforms desire and satisfaction, love and possession into life. Thanksgiving fulfills everything in the world given to us by God into knowledge of God in communion with him. Thanksgiving takes the thing that God has given you and in the act of thanksgiving transforms it into communion with God and knowledge of God when we learn to say thanks. It's possible this is why uh, people with proactive practices of gratitude, people who proactively uh, channel those thank yous, they sleep better at night, this is documented. They have better work performance, this is documented. They have better relationships, this is documented. They have lower levels of anxiety and cortisol in their body, this is documented. Like, like you're not meant to go it alone. You're not meant to brave a world without the kindness of God. I don't, I don't think our souls are, are meant to brave that world alone. Uh, but it may be that the kindness of God has been coming toward you, been meeting you in your life, and you, you don't feel it, you, you feel a deficiency of it because you haven't been saying thank you. Now, I, I'm not like saying this to beat us up, right? I don't think God's up there saying, mind your manners, kids. I don't think that's it. I think he's just revealing something about the, the complexity and the wholeness of what it means to be human, that the blessing hasn't fully met us until we learn to say thank you. And so like, I wonder if there are some... Um, thank yous that, that you could offer in your life. Um, and it might be not in like craving, reaching for more blessings, but that in offering the thank yous, it might be that you discover that, that God has actually been giving a lot of good things your way. Like, let me ask you, even this week, as we turn toward this holiday called Thanksgiving, um, and by the way, like I'm all for the good meal and I'm all for the Black Friday shopping, go for it. But man, if we get to the end of the week and all we've done is had a meal and done some shopping, like, what a tragedy, right? 
So this week, like, I wonder, like, who could we say thank you to? Is there somebody in your life? Uh, let's try a few examples. Is there uh, maybe a teacher in your child's life? And the fact is, every day uh, in the hectic stress of parenting, in the fear of parenting, and all that gets wrapped up in that, you have this little blessing, which is your child walks into a classroom, and you know that teacher, and you trust that teacher. And because of that teacher, you see your, your child opening up coming a little more alive, a little more confident, a little more brave. You see their talents coming to the surface. What about offering a thank you of some sort? Uh, Some gift, some sacrifice, the sacrifice of writing a letter or bringing something to the classroom to tell that teacher thank you. And of course, I'm also saying, wouldn't that be great for the teacher? Like, wouldn't that be the right thing to do for the teacher? But right now, what I'm really talking about is what would that do for you? It's sort of unapologetically narcissistic in a sense, but I'm just saying, like, what would it do for you? What about family? Uh, I know that a lot of us wish family had been different than it was for us. Uh, there's no such thing as perfect family, but there are, there are better family systems and worse family systems, and you might have had a particularly difficult one. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not saying, by the way, that this practice means ignoring the wounds. This is not the kind of like, stupid religion that says put a smile on your face, pretend everything's fine. I'm not talking about that at all. The scriptures also have tons of language to name the broken places, to name the wounds. This is not counter to that, but it's alongside that. Is there something about your family background that you could say thank you for? Like maybe, maybe uh, your parents weren't perfect, but man, maybe you realize if you think for just a moment that your mom or your dad, they broke their back to make sure you had what you needed. In the moment, you, like you didn't pay much attention to it, but you think about it now, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked. Like, I wonder, like, have you, have you ever said thank you, like a pointed thank you? You know, maybe over Thanksgiving dinner, it's time to, like, it's time to like break the mold and bring some, some touchy-feelies to the table and say, hey, mom, dad, stepdad, stepmom, auntie, uncle, whatever, like, man, I know you were there for me in ways that were challenging for you. I know that you bent your, yourself over backwards to take care of me. I just want you to know, I am who I am today, and I am where I am today, largely because of you. Thank you. And I bet it would move them, and I bet it would mean a lot to them. But what I'm saying is maybe for you, maybe you've been sort of, sort of obsessed with what you didn't have in your family, what you didn't get from your family. And I'm not saying that those aren't things to name, but in spite of that, maybe the people in your life did their best, gave you what they could, and maybe your own perspective on what that experience was is actually, it's not quite true, and it will grow truer and richer and more helpful by offering a thank you. In your work, have you had a professional mentor? Uh, somebody um, who along the way has helped you grow in your field? Uh, in your neighborhood, have you had a neighbor that just always seems to take care of things around the block? Among your friends, have you just had somebody who did something that really mattered to you? Like We could go on and on, but is there somebody you could say thank you to this week? How about this? Is there some way that you could say thank you to God this week. Some, some very personal way that you could reflect on something good that has come into your life. And if God is, is any of what we learn from Jesus, that God is the source of these good things, that God made a world with the potential for good things, that God's given you some good things, is there some way you could simply offer a thank you? Now, the frustrating thing about God is it's, it's hard to render a thank you to that which is immaterial, right? Uh, although uh, the scriptures give us lots of beautiful examples, words and poems and songs and private prayers, and it may be that the sacrifice of time and language is 
Not something you do to make God happy, not something you do to get him off your back or make sure he knows you're okay. It's just, it's a joyful chance to say thank you. So we have these kind of toward God ways of doing that, but God also seems to think over and over again that the ways that we treat one another are really effective ways of saying thank you to God. That um, to make a sacrifice for someone else can be a way that God says, I receive that, man. I receive that as an act of gratitude. Uh, I'm a person who in my 20s, uh, I, I did not live uh, in alignment with my values on financial generosity, and I regret that. I, just, I would have said, yeah, it's really good to be financially generous, but I just wasn't very financially generous because I wasn't good at keeping my finances together. So in my 30s, uh, I've tried to correct that, and here's a curious thing that I've discovered. Um, so there's, there's a, a handful of organizations in the world who do really good work, and I take a lot of joy in supporting them every month. And I have a few individual people in the world who create things that have really helped me. And so there's like this thing called Patreon, which is like a web platform where you can support their work. And I find so much joy in giving a little money into those channels. I'm not doing it to get God off my back. I'm not doing it to prove anything. It's just a little act of gratitude each month when I, when I see those little deductions in my checking account. And it's interesting, because it's so easy to get invested in the deficits in our world right now. Like there's a deficit of unity, there's a deficit of hope, there's a deficit of love and charity it can feel like, right? And like your newsfeed is just crap all day long. I get that, right? And you can feel really invested in that. But what I'm discovering is the more I invest in these, in these blessers in the world. Once we're putting good things in the world, the more I feel connected to that. And I actually feel a little more hopeful about the world. And it's tied to my thank you. It's tied to me giving something to say thanks. I wonder, like this season, like, is there some way that you could render a thank you to a family member or a friend, an organization that's taking care of the people God really cares about in the world, the least of these, those hurting, those alone, those who don't have enough? Is there a way that you could render a thank you and is it possible that like in rendering the thank you, you'll finally find yourself in touch with the blessings that God has been pouring into your life? Uh, another pointed example of this for me, uh, I, I almost made it through the 9 a.m. We'll see how this goes. Uh, for 12 years, I had this really, really um, fantastic blessing in my life. It was a dog named Jack, the golden retriever. Here's Jackie boy. And uh, our, our, about a year ago, he started getting sick, and then right around Christmas, I found out that he had a throat cancer that would eventually uh, take him. So, uh, so I spent months, like, just um, dreading the day when I'll have to say goodbye. And what I'm anticipating is that when I say goodbye to Jackie Boy, there will be this aching hole in my life, right? This just tragic, craving, empty place. It will feel like a deficit is what I'm afraid of. And um, that day comes, uh, the summer, and Jackie Boy and I say goodbye. And um, I go home, and what I realize is the thing that's like rising up inside me, yeah, I'm sad, I mean, I cry my eyes out, but I'm also like, the thing that's rising up inside me is this really deep thank you. And so I realize, like, I wanna find a way to offer that, to render that thank you, you know? And so I find uh, some private and personal ways to say thank you to God that for 12 years I had this awesome gift in my life. He came into my life at a very difficult time for me. I was struggling with mental health and depression and wasn't sure where my life was going. And he was just this incredible emotional support. And then he rode with me through a lot of years of growing up in my 20s that I'm really grateful for. And so, so I find these ways to say thank you to God. Um, but I also, uh, so these pictures, uh, by the way, this is actually good timing. Um, 
So I have this friend in Nashville named Robbie who's an entertainment photographer, and he shoots like rock stars and athletes and for magazine covers and stuff, and he hears that my dog is dying, so one day I'm in South Bend, Indiana at my house, and there's a knock at the door, and I open it, and Robbie has driven seven hours from Nashville, Tennessee to surprise me and take pictures of my dog for two days. Isn't that great? Also, Robbie's here today, completely random. He's in, he's in the room right now. I'm not going to call him out because that's not nice, but you guys could say thanks to him, right? Yeah, yay, Robbie. Anyway, so here's what I do. Then I take these pictures that Robbie gave me, and I get them printed on little uh, cards, like, like, you know, like stationary cards, you know? And I go through this list of all these other people because I realized Jack wasn't just a blessing in my life. Lots of other blessings existed in a constellation with Jack in my life. And so I wrote a card to my parents who gave me Jack, by the way. It was their idea to get me a puppy for Christmas when I was transitioning from college to my first job. And my goodness, did they know what they were doing. And so I write a letter to say thank you for that. And by the way, thank you for the fact that the first six months when he was still being house trained, we lived at your house. So your carpet took, <laughs> took the action, if you know what I'm saying, right? And I say thank you for the many, 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 many times that I just dropped him off and left you with this 90-pound brawling pile of energy so that I could go on a trip or something like that. So I write that card to say thank you to them. I write a card uh, to friends of mine who helped me provide for a veterinary treatment that he needed earlier on in his life that I couldn't afford. And I say thanks and let him know what it meant to me. And I, I write a card to say thank you uh, to a few of the roommates who really put up with Jack. Uh, when I only had like one roommate at a time and maybe again I was gone for a long trip and I, I just let them know how much it meant to me that they were part of this blessing in my life. And I write a card uh, to my buddy Drewski who in the last few years of Jackie's life over and over and over again came over to my house like four times a day to give Jackie a break when I was out of town. And so I'm writing these thank you cards and guys what I'm realizing is that like as I'm doing this, it's like Jack's gone at this point, right? But instead of like this aching deficit in my life, I actually feel this fullness growing. Like as if it wasn't until I said thank you that I got like my arms all the way around what a blessing this was, what a gift it was in my life. And like today, sometimes I'm still really sad and I miss him. I just flat out like I'll have something happen and I'm like, oh man, I really miss Jackie boy. But can I tell you, somehow even in those moments, it doesn't feel like a deficit. It feels like a fullness. Even the grief paradoxically feels like a blessing. It reminds me of the fullness this was. And I don't think it would have happened if I hadn't learned to say thank you. Somehow paradoxically, like the thank you takes the blessing, grabs it, and puts it in your gut where you can hold on to it. And it can fill you up and it can remind you, yes, you live in a difficult world, but you live in a world with a God who is for you and with you and who loves you. And every good thing comes from him. So we should learn to say thank you this week. We should get creative about it and have some fun with it and don't let it be just a meal and a shopping extravaganza. Let's find some ways to say thank you. I don't know uh, if it takes praises going up for blessings to come down. I'm not sure that's the formula, but I'm pretty sure that when blessings come, they're somehow incomplete until we say thanks. So to end today, uh, I'm going to ask Dan to come back up, and we just, we're going to sing this song that we began our gathering with, this doxology, um, this old and beautiful song that has uh, been on the lips of so many in many different circumstances around the world to name the goodness of God. And if you're able, will you stand to your feet? And before we sing it, I just want to invite us into a, a moment of silent reflection. And close your eyes if it helps. Uh, I just wonder if you could just find one good thing, one gift one blessing, something that has been a part of your life. 
I'm not saying life is easy for you right now. I'm not saying that you shouldn't also name the lament. But right now, just one good or beautiful thing. Maybe it's been a part of the week that you've just lived through. Maybe it's the family that you'll be with through the holidays. Maybe it's something as, as, as little as like we had a heat at church this morning. Praise God. We're very excited about that. Maybe it's the coffee. I don't know. Maybe it's the person on your right or your left. Maybe it's the fact that you were in this community for a bit. I don't know what it is, but uh, let's take a moment and just kind of silently do a bit of an inventory and find one or two of those good things before we sing a song of thank you. And then in a moment, Dan will lead us to sing.